In this episode, recorded in January 2022, I am talking to Vicky Aykroyd. We cover audio description, what it is and how it's developing. We talk about relaxed performances and the importance of learning from them. And also hear a bit about her work with Mind the Gap, which works with disabled artists and pushes for greater representation for disabled artists in the mainstream. We also hear from her the perils of taking dogs onto the stage for touch tours and how audio description can be such a lifeline for people who love the arts who are losing or have lost their sight. I hope you enjoy it. So in this episode of Making the Arts Accessible, I'm talking to Vicky Aykroyd about her work. Vicky describes herself as an access champion, which she undoubtedly is. She's a disability awareness and equality trainer, and she audio describes for various theatres in the north of England. So welcome, Vicky. Thank you very much for talking to me. And thanks for inviting me. So, Vicky, I'm going to talk to you maybe first a little bit about um, audio description, if that's okay. So would you mind summarising in brief what is audio description, particularly uh, for live performances? Well, it's essentially a translation. So it's a translation of a visual event and translating that into an aural event. So um, somebody with a visual impairment gets information about what is on stage in terms of the, all the visual aspects, the sets, the scenery, the costumes, the characters, the actors playing those characters, uh, and they get all that information. Uh, that's generally through a headset, which is worn stethoscope style, generally speaking, um, in the traditional format, um, actually in the uh, during the show. So um, somebody, uh, an audio describer um, like me, would then be in a little box somewhere at the back, either watching the show um, uh, through a window or watching the show on a screen. And I would then be uh, relating things that are happening visually uh, through that headset. Yeah, brilliant. And with live performances, there are also things like, say, an introduction and a touch door. Do you want to just explain sure, them as well? Because yes. they're, they're fairly normal, aren't they? Or fairly common, I think, in... Absolutely, yeah. They're really a lot of theatres, really yeah. useful sort of ways to set the scene so that you know what you're what you're coming into yeah. to, and what to expect. The, the touch tour, unfortunately, we're not able to do as many touch tours at the moment because of COVID. Mm. But uh, touch tours are a way to have a little feel of some of the props, perhaps a weight of a, a really elaborate costume. Perhaps maybe it's got loads of jewels on it. So it's lovely to be able to feel that, so that somebody with a visual impairment who's an audience member can really get a sense of. Um, a, of, of the costumes and perhaps the opulence or perhaps something that's um, just funny and a bit quirky or get a sense of the size of things sometimes. Mm. Because, uh, for example, in Panto, quite a, a lot of things are oversized. So it's quite fun to be able to have a feel of the giant's head, for example, mm. or... Um, uh, a plate of sausages, <laughs> whatever yeah. those those sorts of things. Um, so you get a, a touch stories where uh, audience members can can have a little feel of of props and often get onto the stage as well. Yeah. So we can have a walk round and and get a sense of the dimensions of the space as well. So I have to say, people who don't have a visual impairment um, really enjoy those as well. So yeah. it's, a, it's a it's a great offer. It's lovely. lovely it to is. To do that. And it's it's almost like you're giving people um, that extra 
uh, knowledge of the production because they're going to miss out on on the visual aspects, however good the audio description is. So it's like... Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's making sure that people have a really rich experience at the theatre, even if um, they don't necessarily, they aren't able to participate in a particular element of it. Um, they, They still have a really thorough knowledge and idea of what's going on. Yeah. And can you tell me how you got into it, Vicky? Well, I got made redundant. <laughs> so um, so it was uh, well, 12 years ago now. Um, and I got made redundant and was just wanting to, uh, just doing that trawl of papers and jobs, etc. And I saw an advert for uh, Vocalise, which is the um, leading audio description uh, organisation based in London. And they were doing a, a project called See a Voice, oh. which was getting audio description out into the regions and I just got really lucky. So I got some training for free, wow. which was fanta- amazing. Um, I was, it was brilliant training, really, really thorough, very, very helpful. And started audio describing immediately after that um, with at Harrogate Theatre and Leeds Playhouse. And I've continued with them since, which has been fantastic. Amazing. That's yeah, really fortunate, isn't it? But yeah, but ha- yeah. you know, it already suited you, don't you? You had you'd worked in radio as well. Yes, I mean, yeah. I'm theatre trained um, in stage management, but then I was with the BBC for ten years in in radio, um, so it kind of fitted all the all the stuff that I enjoy and that uh, I felt I could do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so it, it was a it was a perfect fit, and I have to say, I hadn't really heard of audio description um, before that. But what a fantastic thing to do. I absolutely love it. I mean, I do a variety of things in terms of my, my entire, they call it a portfolio now, don't yeah. they? So um, my portfolio of work is quite varied, but the audio description is kind of central and um, absolutely love it. I now work for lots of different uh, companies, um, supporting them to make their work accessible and inclusive. Mm. Um which is which is brilliant. I know. And what can you summarize what you think are the hallmarks of really good audio description? I mean, I know obviously I'm going to hopefully talk in the podcast to people who are users of audio description, but yeah. You know, from you as a delivery artist, what how do you know when it's worked well or or what's your I don't know, concise little nugget of advice. <laughs> well, I think it needs to support the dialogue and match the show that you're audio describing. So, you would not describe um, Panto, for example, and Chekhov in the same way, yeah. I would say. Um, I think although the uh, the traditional way of audio description is that we're, we're not supposed to interpret and we're supposed to be um, uh, not, not, not a personality, we're just delivering information, that's kind of shifting now, yeah. which I think is a good thing and really interesting times for audio description. But I think the main thing is to to match the show so that when you kind of pop in with a, a visual detail that you're wanting to share, you're not taking the audience member out of the world of the play. Mm. You're keeping them in there and you're making sure that they... The, the two uh, the, the two things that they're listening to collide and that, that they run alongside each other really nicely rather than jarring. Mm. Um, so I think I think that's the main thing that I would uh, I, I would yeah that, that I try and do certainly. I love that and that that it really is I think you know there's lots of interesting progressions going on now like that and and I think Leeds Playhouse have done some exciting things haven't they starting with Road, you know very much yeah. so yeah which I mean and Road uh, I, I worked on that with. Um, Ben Wilson, who's a, um, a blind theatre maker, um, and they had a, a telephone box, a 1970s telephone box on the side of the stage, and the characters, very definitely the characters, not the actors, would pop into the telephone box and they were doing the audio description. Mm. So they would bring personality, they'd bring, um, 
you know, some cheeky stuff, some some rude stuff, some um, <laughs> silly stuff, and some and poignant, uh, uh, you know, description as well. And it was great to work with them in in different ways. And that the Playhouse have also sort of continuing to move that forward uh, as well, and and really integrate audio description into the show, so that you don't need that separate track yeah. because just the that the, the whole process of wearing a headset separates you from your party, your family, your friends, whoever you're there with. Um, so actually being able to work with uh, pieces of work where th- there's a there's a flexibility in there. Tricky to do that with, um, you know, established pieces of work. Definitely still mm. possible. But um, I've worked on a show, There Are No Beginnings, that was also a Leeds Playhouse show, where we had um, Charlie Miles, the the writer, she was in rehearsals and would was so generous. She would change should change bits of dialogue so that it could support um, audio description as well, wow. which is phenomenal, absolutely amazing. Yeah. As I say, very generous. You can't do that with somebody who's dead, clearly, but um, <laughs> but obviously you can. There are still ways to do that. There are still ways yeah. to um, adapt and change. And I think what you've highlighted there as well is that when people do find out more about audio description, say the actors, the directors. They're normally fascinated, aren't they, about this as another kind of layer that there is a creative possibility with. So I've always found they're really open to, you know, perhaps self-describing, you know, with these new vocalised forms where you can describe yourself as a person. So so the audio describer then describes the the actors on the stage so that there's a a visible uh, picture for the, yeah. uh, the blind person in the audience to see what the actors look like rather than us kind of guessing and describing them that way. Um, but they've always got really excited about finding out about it and then they're really keen to get involved, I find. Absolutely. No, I, I definitely agree with that. I think um, rather than audio description being an access tool yeah. and that being its its primary function, of course, it does need to do that as well. But I think directors are, are getting excited about the possibility of it, uh, this creative layer that can be added on and, and giving uh, theatre-goers a really exciting, interesting experience that's that might be different from um, a, a, a sighted audience member's experience, but nonetheless just as as fabulous and and rich. So exactly, that's, it is very exciting. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I totally agree with you on that. Um, so moving on as well, you know, from your expertise in the audio description world, um, <laughs> you also work as a disability awareness trainer, uh, Vicky. I know and. So I wondered if you could talk to us a little bit about, I know um, lots of theatres now are doing relaxed performances and how we can make sure that the arts are really accessible for audience members with disabilities to come along. So what are your thoughts on relaxed performances and how they're going and what we can do best? I think relaxed performances are a great start um, in terms of making sure that theatre is accessible. Uh, we don't necessarily only think of theatre as a place to go when you are for a special occasion. You wear a nice dress or a nice suit or whatever, and you sit quietly in the dark and don't say anything until or don't make any sound until mm. you applaud. Um we we can experience theatre in so many ways, and we're being encouraged to experience theatre in, in in different ways as well, aren't we? Mm. It's, it's interactive um, shows, etc. But I think there are uh, different ways that we can experience theatre, and audiences should be encouraged to, to just come. You know, we don't have to uh, have only one way of of being an audience member. Um, and actually, if people shuffle, if they move uh, around or if they make involuntary noise, 
all that should be okay. I would say that all that should be okay all of the time. Yeah, yes. <laughs> um, I've actually had many discussions about this whole thing about relaxed performances. And rather than have, I think we've had discussions, haven't we? Yeah. And rather than having um, re- a relaxed performance as as the sort of separate additional thing, perhaps we have the uptight performance where <laughs> nobody says a word, you sit still, you're quiet, you behave, and you only uh, applaud and you, uh, yeah. when at, at the appropriate time. Um, yeah. And I, I wonder, how, so that there might still be a place for those people who might tot. I took my granddaughter, <laughs> took my granddaughter to a show the other day. It was a children's show, I shan't say where, children's show. Um, and, the, and, and she was a bit tired. So she was sort of moving around a bit and climbing on the chairs and looking behind her and looking in front of her. But I, you know, I stressed, this was a children's show. Yeah. Anyway, the people behind started tutting. <gasps> I just thought... Well, you can pack it in. It's it's not. That's not on. She should be able to enjoy that yes. uh, experience in in her way, and she was enjoying it. Oh so, gosh. Oh, you know, there, there's still. I think there's training to be done with audiences. Yes. I think theatre makers and the, I don't think the issue's there. I think they're trying to, you know, yeah, um, collaborate with audience members who who. But yeah, perhaps just aren't experiencing what don't want to experience theatre in, yeah. in in different ways. So I know it's interesting times. It is interesting. And and what <laughs> I think what I think you've touched on is that it's a good first step. So for instance, yes. if a theatre hasn't done an, or a theatre company haven't done relaxed performances, do one and then the training that all your front of house staff are gonna do and all the kind of awareness of when you have that relaxed performance and you see the joy and you see the relaxed kind of attitude and that everyone enjoys it more, you know, yes. all of those those things will gradually creep through, I hope, then to all of your performances. Yeah. I remember I, I went to see a, uh, the relaxed performance of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang yeah. years ago at uh, Leeds Playhouse. And I, I cannot, I don't think I've ever been in a more joyful environment. I mean, the joy was unfiltered. Yeah. And every time the, um, you know, the, the, the theme tune came on, everybody was uh, shouting and singing and clapping. It was quite magical you know uh, and it was just wonderful and I was very much involved I wasn't kind of separate going oh look at that isn't that lovely it was just uh, infectious it was wonderful absolutely wonderful but I think why can't all shows be like that you know why why can't it rather than it being um oh for this one we'll we'll you know and there are certain things, there are certain rules that apply for, for relaxed performances. You turn the sound down slightly, you turn the lights up slightly. Mm. It's okay to move around. You know, everybody acknowledges that if somebody's going to get up and come out, maybe come back in again, etc. But actually, the, some of those things could be accommodated in every performance, mm. in every show. And, and should, and really should. should. Yeah, yeah. It sh- it, people shouldn't... It's not hard, is it? No, people shouldn't re- be relegated to only choosing the one relaxed performance on a date that doesn't suit them and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, going back to audio description, that's that's also why it's exciting that audio description is being integrated uh, so that every show is available for a person with a visual impairment um, rather than just, well, you can only come that Tuesday matinee or whatever. Yeah. Um, and if you can't make it then, well, sorry, you're not going to be able to come to the show. Um, so it's, yeah, it is exciting times. I think people are really making big efforts to to um, make work accessible so that everybody can enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. And the director and, and the performers, they want to reach the, the, the biggest audience possible, don't they? So they're always behind it. You know, it's 
it's I, I think we're getting there slowly. I think people are, are, are changing, which is good. Let's talk of the, the purple pound, which is um, mm. people with disabilities, they have money to spend. Mm. So, you know, let's let's help them spend it yeah. <laughs> in theatre. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, everyone who works in theatre is always passionate. I'm, I'm sure lots of anyone who's listening to this is passionate about the arts. So, um, yeah. you know, to, to give people that access to the arts, um, it's just it's, it's more important that it's given to people uh, with a disability or with, with anything that, that makes their life more difficult. It's, it's all the more important that they enjoy it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, Vicky, I know as well, I'd, I'd really like to ask you about, you know, some of the work that you've done with Mind the Gap um, about work uh, about working to improve opportunities for performers with disabilities or, or people who want to work in the arts with a disability. Can you tell us? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. But um, it's so important to have representation um, across the board. That's on stage and on screen. Um, I don't know whether you've um, listened to watch Jack Thorne, who's um, a TV writer, talk about he did a McTaggart lecture. I'll send you a, a link to that because it's absolutely uh, it's a phenomenal listen. Um and, and he, he lambasts, basically, the TV world um, in terms of lack of representation. And theatre's not a great deal better, is it? I think things are improving, but mm. there's obviously a long way to go. Yeah. So in terms of just making sure if, if, if you don't see yourself on a screen or on a stage, you don't think that opportunity is for you. You'd, I think it's not unreasonable to assume that, oh, that's that's not for me then. And and mm. that is just wrong. It's fundamentally wrong, is that? So I think Mind the Gap are really working hard to kind of support representation and support other organisations to, um, to bring in people with learning disabilities uh, into um, a sort of more mainstream th- theatre and TV. So there's Liam Bairstow, who's on Coronation Street. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a, a Mind the Gap actor. So... Um, and and others, you know, just making sure that they they get the opportunities and uh, people are, are visible and are yeah. sh- showing the the good work that they they can do. Sort of stereotype smashing, really, isn't it? Mm, yeah, and you know, um, I'm sure you've got some links and things that we can put in the bottom of this. You know, of, of places people look up advice or or. You know, like, like the the link to that guy's uh, lecture would be really useful. I think, yeah. Yes, absolutely. And places like um, Disability Arts Online, some terrific network um, right. of art disabled artists who um, are, are sharing really helpful information as well. So I'll uh, yeah. make sure there's a link to that too. I'll send that to you. Fantastic. And then just to sort of finish off, Vicky, I really want to ask people, basically, you know, can you tell us your most memorable experience that relates to accessing the arts, you know, in some way? Um, well, I have to, just a, a very silly one to start. I've got a couple, <laughs> but a very silly one was I was working on um, Sweeney Todd and we were on the touch tour uh, and a, a couple who'd brought their uh, guide dog with them, but they'd also brought their retired guide dog, who, of course, I have to state, wasn't working. So, <laughs> well, that guide dog went and found the pies and started eating them all. So <laughs> we got into terrible trouble for not getting with stage management, just saying we're going to have to defrost more. And, oh, dear, we're in horrible trouble. So that was just quite an entertaining one. Oh, wow. um, so, they, so they use real pies yes. that people eat? Well, they, oh, wow. they were eating the pies in this in this show. So... <laughs> but the dog went and found that they, they kind of all set, set them all up. So they were all in, in place. But yeah, the dog dog found them. <laughs> of course it did. Of course it did. So that was quite entertaining. Brilliant. So, you know, just these um, 
unexpected things happen. But um, I suppose one that was um, really recent, this was with where, um, with, with Opera North, was a, a young woman who um, was had is losing her sight so she's in a in a process of um must be quite very challenging because uh, her interest was dance and i was describing um a dance piece um and she listened into the audio description i think possibly not sure what she was going to be listening into whether it would mm. be useful her mum listened in as well and they both found that, that it was a, a really helpful experience but interestingly her mum also found it useful and she mm. was able to to see the, the dancing um and i i just think that was a, a really interesting note to think the audio description isn't necessarily only for people with a visual impairment it it can add extra detail extra information you can share um yeah. knowledge about uh, the director's vision in this case the choreographer's idea uh, so i th- thought that was a really um really moving one actually just thinking yeah. she was in that transition from being a sighted person to becoming a visually impaired person mm. and she was still able to connect with um with something that she loved creatively and so I, for me that was one of the the most um one of the best uh, experiences i've had yeah i completely agree and i know that they're all fired up now to find everything they can with audio description you know before her sight gets any worse so, oh fantastic so i mean she just gets used to it and that that's great yeah it's incredible no thank you for sharing that um well vicky honestly thank you so much um for everything you've talked about here it's so useful and so interesting um We'll share links to um, anything relevant to all the things we've been talking about. And um, yeah, thank you so much. You are very welcome. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Vicky. God, we got absolutely bollocked as well. Stage <laughs> management, I don't know why, just got... She, she was so cross with us. It was, uh, this is really going to be problematic. You just think, oh, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say to you. <laughs> 